0: all right it's great to be here this is my first time speaking at this new building and so thank you for being here with me And we're going to do our best to meet with the lord during this time so if you were here last week and if you're on our prayer chat or on our email list then you might remember that I invited people to read through the book of Ephesians and give feedback, whether sermon title suggestions or questions or, or favorite uh, verses. And I got back a lot of responses. And I even said, you know, if this many truckers respond, I'll wear a spaghetti baseball cap and I actually have one of those now uh, with a mullet attached to it in the back which looks really awesome my wife hates it but I think it looks great and uh, so I'm ready for that but I think we only got up to four or five and I did a call out to millennials and the youth and I don't think we hit even 10 out of 20 maybe maybe just around there uh, the ladies performed the best. I think they got up to maybe 15 out of the 30 that I, I called for. You know, I made up these numbers. I just made this all up. I, I was had no idea how many responses I would actually get. But nobody actually hit their targets to unlock any of these new skins that I'd be wearing for preaching. Anybody? Somebody? Come on. Um, so, but I just enjoyed the feedback so much. I'm thinking about the responses that I would like to do a holdover for next week as well. So, I invite as a reload for everybody. Even if you submitted one last week, I'm going to say this week I will count a new submission as a fresh contribution towards hitting these numbers. Um, so, read Ephesians again, and if something new comes up for a question or uh, uh, a part that really strikes you as amazing, then. Let's hit these digits, all right? So I would love to do this together. Uh, But one of the responses I got, the suggestion was something like, call it the sermon series, The Fullness of Christ. But it came in the midst of this explosive, typed-out sermon. Uh, Sermon Rage Fest, you almost want to call it. It was pretty amazing. So... That one really tweaked me when I received it, and so I just riffed off of the suggestion a little bit, and so I'd like to call, as we're going through the book of Ephesians, uh, filled to overflowing. Filled with Christ to overflowing, filled with the Spirit to overflowing, filled with the knowledge of the Father to overflowing, that the church would be so filled up with God that we overflow in love and mission and grace and purpose, and... I've given this morning a tiny subtitle of Bursting with Blessing, because we're going to be working through verses 3 through, let me find the last here, 14. We'll get as far as we can get, at least. And it's all about being blessed by God, and how blessed we are by God. Amen? So I think at some point they might give me a sermon timer so I can know how long I've been up here, but technically there isn't a clock in the room. <laughs> Let that sink in. So when the sun starts going down, I'll be able to tell, I'm on, I'm on sundial time right now. You know, when I've noticed that the shadow, which is right now on this side of your faces, moves on to that side of your faces, I'll start to consider wrapping things up. But thanks to daylight saving times, you know, it's going to be lighter longer today. Hey, anybody? Anybody? That's okay. We're all grumpy and tired because somebody thought it was a good idea to mess with time, which is only something that Iron Man's allowed to do. <laughs> Superman. Super, Superman too. Woo, 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 woo. Anybody? That was the worst. All right. So let's let's do this. Why don't we read scripture together? You know what, let's do something different. I'm not going to say we're going to do this every time, but because the words are up right beside me, why don't we try reading this all together? We do this sometimes, we don't always do this, but first sermon, let's all preach the Word of God to each other at the same time, all right? So I'm going to count us down, and we're going to start at the word blessed. So, three, two, one. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ Making known to us the mystery of his will, according to the purpose which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Take it away. Take it away. An inheritance having been predestined. Good, a little louder. Good. Father, would you come amongst us with the spirit of wisdom and revelation? Father, that you would do miracles in our minds and our hearts to cause us to understand the reality of life in Christ. Lord, you know that we don't get it. We've begun, but there is so much higher to climb and deeper to dig in the glories of christ and what you've done and who you are and who we now are and so lord i want miracles i want miracles i don't want rhetoric i don't want me to be entertaining i want miracles from the spirit that we would get it and lord i am here to be your vessel use me Abuse me, just don't lose me as I serve your word this morning for the glory of Jesus Christ. And Father, would you fill every heart with a desperate hunger for truth. God, would this word come to us as a people, not full, going, I don't know if I have space for another brownie, but Lord, would you fill us with a hunger for the truth of Christ, that we'd be desperate to get it, that we'd accept no substitutes, and that we would long and hunger for truth upon truth, and nothing but the truth, so help us God. And all God's people said, Amen. All right. So I didn't know where I was going to start when I picked Ephesians, but one of the feedbacks that I got from this is somebody just said, I'm really interested to see what you do with predestination. So I was like, why don't we just start there? You know, everybody's like, let's have a big old fight, predestination, blah, 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 blah. Why don't we just start with the tough stuff? But um. I am so grateful for this passage here and just the wrestling through it this week because um, I don't get this. And I have been worshiping and disturbed and grateful. And coming under the fear of the Lord over and over and over again this week as I've been trying to think about how to best serve this passage. Uh, Ellie on Friday came to my office for a little bit and got to experience what sermon prep looked like, which was just me sitting like this for the 15 minutes she was there. Because that's what it looks like sometimes as you're trying to serve the word. Um, even if this passage has some words in it that people find uncomfortable or debate, like chosen, which is the, in Greek is the word electos, where we get our word election from, or predestination, I am desiring with all of my heart to pass along one great truth out of this entire passage, and this is something that you can see right here, and that the fact is this. Everything that happens in this passage is praise. That first four words. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, but blessed be God. Everything in this passage is not theological debate. It is not worrying. It is not trouble. It's blessing. It's praiseworthy. It is something that is flowing out of the Apostle Paul's spirit-filled heart in through his pen, probably through somebody else's because he's in prison again, but it is pouring out of him as prisoner praise. Bless him because he does this. Bless him because this is who he is. Bless him for all he's accomplished through his son. I praise him. This is the thing. This is the thing to get. That the tone and the heart and the emotion of this passage is praise. Hallelujah. This is what the father is like. And so as we wrestle, and as we ask questions, and as we get disturbed, and as we wonder, let's just remember that we haven't come home to what this passage is meant to do until we're worshiping. Amen? And it's great to ask questions, and it's great to be troubled. Being troubled by Scripture is part of God's process to help us come closer to Him very often. So if you're troubled, God bless you. you got a friend in me, hopefully. But at the same time, I have to look at the facts and go, none of the stuff that's praised here is meant to be received as a curse or to be embarrassed about. It's worship. And if it is true that these words are the very words of God, this is God inspiring the worship of God. And I want my soul to be in perfect step with what the Holy Spirit is doing here. I'm not saying I'm there yet. That's where I want to live, though. Amen? So maybe I'll ask some questions. This thing's so big. I feel like I'm at one of those all-you-can-eat Las Vegas buffets, and I know how big my stomach is, and I know how big those racks are of rib. And I'm very intimidated by all those lobster tails and crab claws and various kinds of steak. And then there's a whole other table of just desserts. I want to tap out right now. Maybe I'll just ask some questions as we go and then try to wrap it up with a neat little ending so everyone can feel like we got it. What in the world does it mean to be blessed in Christ with spiritual blessings in the heavenly places? That's not how we usually talk. You ever know, right? This is church talk. This isn't how you talk with your friends. Hey, man, how you doing? Really good. I'm just like blessed in heavenly places this morning. It was really good. And said nobody ever, even though it's true, if you're in Christ, we don't think like this don't talk like this, but we should, right? So so I'm thinking, okay, so what does it mean to be blessed in the heavenly places? Well, if you read through the book of Ephesians, and maybe you did it this week, and if you haven't, I'd really love it if you do it this upcoming week, and um, send me your feedback, and if you're wondering where to set it, send it on the bulletins themselves, there's a little email address, office at com, which will head to the office and they can forward it to me if you make it clear that it's supposed to get to me. So there you go. But if you read through Ephesians, there, this letter is concerned about the invisible realities of creation. This letter is concerned about spirits and what they do. This letter is concerned about the reality of existence that you can't see with your eyes. And in a nutshell... The reality is, is that there are spiritual forces that exist. That's what the heavenly places means. There are spiritual forces that exist that you can't see with your eyes. And as a rule, the spiritual forces in the heavenly places, their influence comes down to earth and influences history. Okay? Okay? There is some reverse influence. We can talk about that. But as a rule, what's happening in the heavenly places influence guides and drives what's happening in the earthly places, which is our life and our countries and our histories. But what's happening here starts in the heavenly places, for good or bad. And Ephesians talks about, later on when it's talking about the armor of God, how there are cosmic powers over present darkness in the heavenly places there are spiritual forces that are enemies of God and enemies of humanity and your enemy that wants to drive and lead history in order to be in rebellion against God and to try to thwart his plans. Somebody may have started off our time together talking about that. And the reality is, If we don't have a power in heavenly places on our side, guarding us, protecting us, saving us, we have no hope but to go along with the plans of the forces of darkness in heavenly places. We're not smart enough. We're not strong enough. We're not powerful enough The influence starts in the heavens and comes down. And I mean us. Because I know we could be sitting there thinking, maybe, but I got a lot of money. And free health care. That's like a win-win. Win. I, I, I think I'm pretty in control of my life, Rob. I'll be okay. And let me maybe suggest that that way of thinking is actually already the influence in your mind of the forces of darkness coming down from the heavenly realm, because people who know God don't think like that. So a spiritual blessing... In the heavenly places is what happens... When God, who dwells in the heavenly places, but He is the superpower of the heavenly places he 's the ultimate power of the heavenly places He is the ultimate authority in the heavenly places that when he goes to battle against the forces of darkness he wins when he decides instead of holding back or maybe having judgment from heavenly places against humanity, when he decides instead to do good, he sends spiritual blessings down from his heavenly places in order. In order to do good in the world. In order to change things. In order to save and protect. In order to accomplish his purposes. And we need heavenly blessings. We need spiritual blessings in heavenly places or we're lost. You can't win. And so that's why he starts here. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Not only does it mean these kinds of blessings are the blessings that actually win and control our lives, they're heavenly blessings because these are blessings you can't get anywhere else. Like, anybody got a smartphone? Anybody got the Amazon app? Okay, Google Google predestination. How much would would that cost you to be predestined to be adopted as a son of God? Do they sell it there? They sell everything there. If they don't sell it on Amazon, it doesn't exist. Right? You can't get this stuff anywhere. Anywhere. These things that Paul talks about, these blessings, they only exist in the heavenly places and you can only get them from God himself. And the last kind of thought about being blessed in heavenly places is this. If you've read this book, later on Paul reveals again that he's in prison for the gospel. That's not a great prison experience. There are no, like in Canada, there are actually laws governing how bad it can go in a prison. Prisoners have rights. I was talking with the person in the biz recently, and he was talking about all the things they can't do because the prisoners need their rights. In Paul's day, no rights. Well, he had a few because he was a Roman. Like, they couldn't flog him for no reason. But that was just a few people. Most people, if you get arrested... If they find you dead in the morning, who cares? And so here is Paul in his life and every single earthly blessing that he could have had. What kind of, what are earthly blessings, right? You wake up in the morning and you're healthy. That's an earthly blessing. You wake up in the morning, you've got your bowl of granola. That's an earthly blessing. Your furnace is working. That's an earthly blessing. You got gas in the gas tank. That's an earthly blessing. You got some friends at your church. That's an earthly blessing. All the earthly blessings. Your hair looks nice. You know, your skin looks good. Every nice earthly blessing you could get. And these are real blessings from God and we should thank him. But Paul's in a place where every earthly blessing is removed from him. He's got no control. He's got no access to anything. What's the most important earthly blessing? blessing? Morning Morning coffee. Paul's got no coffee, which should mean that he can't write scripture, right? Get my caffeine withdrawal. Give me that sword, you know? He has access to no earthly blessings that we would look forward to and say, I need this in order to have a good day. I need this in order to be doing well. I need this in order to consider myself blessed. He has none of it. And yet he's still filled to overflowing because his eyes are on the blessings that cannot get taken away from him. Caesar can't take away his chosenness. The soldier can't take away that he was predestined to be adopted. Satan can't take away the fact that he's been redeemed from his sins. You know what I'm talking about? And his future execution, which did happen, could not take away the fact that God had predestined him to an inheritance in Christ. These are heavenly blessings that nothing can take away from you. Because God himself gave them to you. And no human being and no Satan and no demon, no one else can take it away. That's why it's a spiritual blessing in heavenly places. And that's why Paul is starting there, I think. I don't know what to do with Paul. Seriously, guys. Emotionally, I find preaching the Bible harder and harder and harder because he is happier in every letter in prison than I am on my best day. True? Why? He gets it. When he writes this stuff, he believes it. And we read this stuff, and maybe we don't. Or maybe just a little. Fact. Potential fact. You decide. I'm not the judge. It's your heart. Crazy. Heavenly blessings. It's the only way to have any hope in the heavenly places is to be blessed by God. Because they're heavenly blessings, we get things you couldn't get anywhere else. And because they're heavenly blessings, we cannot lose them or be robbed of them by anyone. In verse four, as I understand this, he starts to unpack what he means by being having spiritual blessings. So this isn't other things. It's like you've got your spiritual blessings over here, and then He did a bunch of other stuff. No, I think this is him listing out the blessings, or some of them. And I think it's really important to look at this thing and not see it as like one thing over here, kachunk, and then you've got another thing over here, Kachunk, you've got another thing over here, Kachunk. These are facets. These are perspectives on one great event called salvation in Christ. And all of these things are included and knit together. I was kind of thinking about it. Anybody play soccer? I know we live in the closest thing to the North Pole you can get and still have a Walmart. But yeah, a soccer ball. It's all these like pentagons and hexagons all sewn together, Right? And you can look at it, and you can look at each one of these little shapes. Maybe this one's got a grass stain on it, and you turn it, and the next one. This is a black one. You can't see anything on it. You turn it to the next one. This is that where they got the little FIFA logo on this one. All these individual little things sewn together, and if any one of them is missing, what do you have? You don't have a soccer ball anymore. You've got a pancake, a disgusting pancake that you wouldn't want to eat, but it's, it, it's not there anymore. Your soccer ball. It's all these things knit together that is a soccer ball. And, it, and this is how we see this passage here. All these things are knit together describing God's salvation in Christ. So we try to hold it all together. And as I read this, there's almost kind of like this progression maybe as I see this. Maybe you see it a bit different as I see this. But it looks like he's thinking through time as he's describing this. Okay, And I just want to point this out because I think it helps bring some order to maybe how you're reading this. So it starts off with, he chose us in him, meaning God the Father chose us in Christ. Okay, great. Sounds good so far. Here's where it starts to be a bit of a mind-bender. Before the foundation of the world. Huh? Okay, that's as far back in time as you can get and still have time. So that's why I'm seeing there's a bit of a time thing here. Let's go back to the very beginning. And at the very beginning or before the very beginning, there's a choosing happening. And then there's a predestining happening. Verse 5, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons. So these things are kind of way past things. And then in verse 7, it moves into the present tense. In him, meaning in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. So that's a present thing. And then in the next, um, in verse 9, it says that God is making known to us the mystery of his will. Which is also a present thing. We're understanding more and more what God is doing in Christ. And that's happening this morning for us, as it was happening that morning for the Ephesians about 2,000 years ago. And then in verse 11, can we get verse 11 on there? I think it's the next slide. It says, we've obtained an inheritance. Well, when do you get an inheritance? In the future, right? When somebody dies, or in this case, when Christ comes back, that's when we get our inheritance. We, we now have a right to it, and maybe we can get to enjoy it a little bit, but that's a future thing. And as I see this list going through, I see Paul just maybe thinking through all of human history and the blessings that happened there. It starts off with a choosing before time began, and then it happens to a predestining, And then now I'm saved. Christ has come, and he has died. And now in history, I am currently now redeemed, and I'm learning more about Christ, and I have an inheritance in the future that's awaiting for me. So my whole life is blessed, and in fact, God's spiritual blessings have been at work throughout so all of human history, and we'll cover all of human history, and it's gonna, the whole it's the whole time, God's blessing us the whole time, and you find out about it at a certain time. And now, part of the reason this gets tough is because even though you, is because God's doing things that only God can do. Especially those first two. Choosing us before the foundation of the world, predestining us for adoption. Predestined as a word, it just means like to decide beforehand. And the way God does it is how we can't do it. Right? We, we can't. Did you guys pick anything before the world started? What did you pick? Any, you guys didn't pick anything? Anybody decide for something to happen? Who's responsible for bell-bottoms? Seriously, I'm, I'm cheesed about that one. Or mullets. I had a mullet last night. Anybody here who's responsible for deciding there would be mullets in human history? Anybody? No, like we're used to choosing things. You know, after church today, because of where we're at, somebody's going to go and they're going to head down a subway and you're going to look at that, those boards and you're just going to be like, oh, the power to choose. Will I get the deal of the day? Will I go easy on the checkbook and pick up just the veggie delight? Or will I splurge and get the lobster? I don't know if they still have that there, but that's one thing that I wouldn't necessarily put in a sub. Like, we choose things. Pizza sub is classic. We are used to choosing things, but we have no idea what it's like to choose, before time begins, something that's going to happen thousands and thousands and thousands of years later, do we? We just we can't empathize. We're not, we're not like that. And so we can kind of hear it and we can try to learn our best. But essentially, ultimately, you're going to have to come to a place where all you can do is kind of bow your head and say, I, I'm not God and I don't know what it's like to do this, but I believe that you said you did it. And predestiny can be... This is one where people argue about a lot and God bless us and God bless you and wherever you're at, um, I can respect that. This is kind of how I might understand it. What does predestiny mean? Okay, from this passage, you have uh, the Spirit saying God chooses people before the foundation of the world and then there's a moment where you're redeemed in Christ. Okay, So those are two different time points. One happening before time. One happening at some time in someone's life. And uh, if you follow the logic here, maybe predestining is just God working out all the details between the choosing and the happening. Like only God can. You know, we could do a little bit of predestining as much as we're able to um the story that keeps coming back to my mind is years ago when Jackie and I lived in Vancouver, we lived in this basement suite which is was as like a hobbit hole as you could live in and still meet code and um, it was my birthday coming up and Jackie had planned out a surprise birthday party and it was really a surprise. I had no idea it was happening and so I came home one day after school or had run an errand or something and and there was a note saying, I had to go and get some groceries, but the toilet's backed up. Can you check on it? And I was just like, ah. And so, and, she, and there may have even said in the note, I closed the door for the stink or something like that. We had this <laughs> sliding door. And was so like, oh man, frustrating. We walked over to the bathroom and I opened it up and six people, jumped out of the bathroom at me yelling, and I screamed. I was like, Dah! I thought I was going to die. And the first person out of the door was a friend of ours named Jed, who was this really aggressive, like, soccer player. And I think he would have hit me, you know, because he just, in the moment, he was just, ah, and he would have hit me if he, hadn't have, if he weren't a Christian. And so he just came at me, and I was terrified. <laughs> and Jackie, she's laughing now still. She loved it. Hey, that one moment with the people coming out of the bathroom and then there was food and all this stuff, that was, as much as people can do, it was predestined, right? It was planned. They decided beforehand, this is going to be the day and this is going to be the time and can you be there? and We're going to have this to eat. And I had no idea it was happening. Somebody else had decided that it was going to be like this. But we all know that as human beings, we don't actually have that much control over the events of history. Right? We're subject to what looks like random chance. We're subject to plans going wrong. We're subject to all kinds of things interrupting our plans. So much so that James even tells us when you make plans, make sure you're saying as the Lord wills because anything beyond that, if you actually think you can make this happen, that's just pride. So we can try to make things happen in the future to the best of our ability, uh, but God tackles future plans with unlimited power, unlimited authority, unlimited access to events, unlimited wisdom, unlimited insight, unlimited love, unlimited goodness, unlimited holiness. When he decides something's going to happen in the future, he has all the resources available to him to accomplish it. He's he's not a man. I think that this is one of the things maybe I just should say very often. Christian, God is not a man. He's not just a strong man. He's not just a smart man. He's not just a rich man. He's not just Donald Trump. He's not just got access to the CIA. He's not a human being. He's God. He's the only God. He's God Almighty. He can say what he wants, go where he wants, do what he wants, start what he wants, end what he wants. He's God. And if he's decided that I should be his son, 10 Minutes or 10,000 years before it happens. Who's going to judge him? He's God. Who's going to condemn him? He's the only God. Bless him. I bless him. I bless you, Father. You're the only God. And whatever you want to do is the right thing to do. Whatever you choose in all of your wisdom, and all of your insight, with your unlimited love and grace towards sinner, that is the right thing to do. And I worship you. And I wouldn't have it any other way. Sometimes I wonder if we can worry about God's control and powers because we don't know what he's up to. The good news is, is that part of God's love for us is he wants us to get what he's up to. And he does this in verse 9 and 10. Part of God's the blessings that we have from heaven is that God is revealing to us in time what he's been working on forever. And one of the things it's, it's my joy and my obligation to do is somebody who knows a little bit of Greek, is to help us understand the word mystery in the Bible. In the New Testament, the word mystery does not mean something you and I will never understand. It doesn't mean that. I'm sorry that it sometimes means, we say, you know, why did God invent fire ants? I don't know, it's a mystery. We'll never understand it. Those little... Buggers get into things, they bite you, it's got venom in there, it stings, they eat you alive. We'll never know. In Greek, the roots of this were these things called mystery religions that, kind of like the... Uh, what's that thing Tom Cruise is a part of? The Scientologists... Where you kind of start off as a Scientologist, which means you get access to the cool parties. But then as you get initiated, you get invited into the back room and you get to do some of their secret teachings and their secret order stuff. And you can elevate into this secret society and meet certain people and do these weird things. That was a mystery religion back in the days when this was written where... The more you entered into the inner circles of the religion, the more secret mysteries you got taught so you really learned what things were all about. And the people on the outside didn't get to know the actual reality or the truth. They're kept in the dark because they're not inner enough. And when it says the mystery of his will is being made known to us, what it means is that for thousands of years, God was not going around telling everybody what he was currently working on. But now, he is telling everybody what he has been doing the whole time. And his plan since the beginning was to unite heaven and earth in his Son. This has been the plan to take all of heaven and all the angels and all of God's throne room and all of earth with all the water and all the dirt and all the worms and all us people and to unite us all together in the God-man Jesus Christ who is fully God and fully man. And nobody knew God was doing that for thousands and thousands of years. Abraham didn't know. Moses didn't know. Adam didn't know. Enoch didn't know. They didn't get what God was doing. But when Jesus arrived, he began to teach us and the Holy Spirit revealed the whole time God has been working to redeem this earth and be completely united to us through Jesus Christ. That's the plan. To save sinners, to overcome our guilt, and to overcome our transgressions. To totally destroy everything that would be a barrier between us being completely united with the Father. Destroyed, gone, swept away, forgotten forever, so that we could spend an eternity with God as beloved children and treasured saints, enjoying everything that's God's as our very own. This is the mystery revealed to all of us. And now we know what God is like. Thank goodness he predestined this. Because we could have never done it. Thank goodness he chose for this to be the plan. Because I would have only messed it up. And now that I know that this is what he's working on. And this is how good he is. And this is how much love he has for people who could never earn it or never deserve it. Deserve it. Guys, I could never earn one second of being loved by the Father. It's grace, it's a free gift. I could never earn one sin forgiven. I could never earn it. It's by grace, it's by the cross of Jesus. It's a gift. Praise Him, bless Him. And then to know as well that in Him we have in- obtained an inheritance because He decided beforehand how it's going to go. You're going to go to heaven. And then when Jesus comes back, heaven's going to come down and it's all going to be ours. Surprise! This was going to happen. And this is important. Because when you're watching a nature documentary and your daughter starts saying to you, you know, Sri Lanka, that's a place where you're not allowed to talk about Jesus. I want to go there and help people know Jesus. What are you going to do? It would be good to know that no matter what happens, she has an inheritance predestined for her in Christ so that if it goes differently than the way I'd want it to go, it's going to be great still. Amen? Wouldn't you like to wake up in the morning believing that no matter what happens, ultimately you're going to be praising in the new heavens and the earth? Well, you know that's true, we just don't live like it. I don't, maybe you do. I'd like to stay at your house. But this is what I'm shrieking about this morning. It's ours to believe this, it's ours to know this, it's ours to live like this, this is our inheritance. And God has given us the Holy Spirit to help us know this deep, deep, deep down, deep down in my heart. Where's the use on that one? Come on. you got to get that dance going. And last thing, I have no idea what time it is. I'm sure it's too long. Because I know somebody's going to do this. They're going to say, that's nice that you said this stuff. And nice. how, how does anybody know that it's theirs? How do I know it's mine? Well, that's a great discussion, but in this text, it says this. In Christ, in him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the Holy Spirit. Do you believe in Jesus, that he is the Son of God raised from the dead? And do you have the Holy Spirit? It's all yours. Then it's true that you were chosen before the foundation of the world. And it's true that God organized the details of history so that at some time you would choose him and come to faith and receive all the promises of God. In this text, that's what Paul points to so that people can say, is this me? It says, when the gospel of your salvation came, when you heard the word of truth, did you believe in him? Yes. And did the Holy Spirit come into your life? Yes. Maybe there's a question mark on that. We will get there. But that's part of why God gives the Holy Spirit to people, so that you'll know. That's what it means to be a seal. You know what a seal is? Anybody, any of those romantic types that imagine writing letters and then dripping wax on the back and then pressing into it, you've got to go get a seal with your initial on there, so when you press on the letter, everybody knows RB is from Robert Balfour. It seals it up. It seals up the letter. Uh, The most famous seal in all of human history is probably the seal they put on the tomb of Jesus Christ. The rulers of the Jews, they rolled the stone over Jesus' dead body and they chained it off or roped it off and they put a seal on it saying, nobody opens this thing and if it's opened up, we'll know because the seal will be broken and we'll know that they stole the body. They they wanted to say, we have committed this and nobody's going to mess with it. Keep that stone there. And this is the opposite. The Holy Spirit is given to us to say, I have done this, says the Lord. And nobody's going to mess with this. Keep that salvation in there. That's what seal means. So this is what you do. I've got the Holy Spirit. So I'm in here. This is me. And if you don't have the Holy Spirit and you don't know about the Holy Spirit, we can work on that. It doesn't necessarily mean it's not you. Sometimes people are Christians for a long time without recognizing the Holy Spirit. But this is the thing. If the Holy Spirit is in you, let's start believing that this is us. Amen? Okay, so here's the homework time. I'll just say this kind of directly. For most of us, if you don't go home and do something about this, you will just have seen some weirdo wave his arms for two hours, however long. I need a clock. Right? A yeah, well, I need to wear it. If you don't do something about this, this will probably be lost. True? Okay. Why don't you go home and get a piece of paper and write on the top, these things are true about me. And go through and list as many true things from this passage as possible. Everything you can find. Not just the things I talked about. I left most of it still in the page. Didn't really talk about the adoption. Didn't talk about the, the tons of this stuff. These things are true about me. Okay, good. And then you get the gold star and you're the perfect student. And you can come to church next week. If Rob asks about it, I get to put my hand up in front of everybody. No, then you're going to pray. Because some of this stuff you're excited about and some of this stuff you don't even begin to believe yet in any way that changes your life, right? So pray about, God, show me which one of these things do you want to start working into my soul more? And he'll highlight one right away. He'll, you, right away, you'll just be like, I don't even like this one. And then you start to pray. You get down on your knees like this, something like this. And when the kids come in, you just say, I'm trying to connect with God. Go away. You know, you do that thing that we all do. And you just pray, God, give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Help me understand this. I don't want to live spiritually poor when I'm actually rich. I don't want to walk around to the world and everyone going, I got an empty cup. Fill it, fill it, fill fill my empty cup. When the reality is I am filled to overflowing with the blessings of heaven. Amen? You pray, and we labor, and we ask God to touch our hearts. Because the truth is that the cosmic powers of darkness in the heavenly places don't want you to get this. They don't want you to understand, and they don't want you to believe, and they don't want you to act. And so our warfare is in faith. All power comes by believing, and believing by the Word of God. And so we'll do our part by reading and praying and fighting and repenting and not participating with the lies and not participating with whatever would keep us from the fullness of faith. Amen. Amen. But you got to do it. I'm going to tap out one second here. And I'm going to be able to go before the Lord and say God, I did my part. And whatever happens isn't on me anymore. You have a responsibility before the Lord to apply this to yourselves. Without excuse. If you can read, if you can pray, I am handing you the basketball. It's time for a layup or a dunk. But I'm defense. I'm going back to guard the hoop. Amen? Can you do this? I know you can do this. You're actually really good at this. Let's pray. Father, we just come before you. Father, you, you are Lord over our hearts. God, one of the first things you did was to put your own spirit inside of us so that we're never alone. And our feelings were never alone. And our thoughts were never alone. And our bodies were never alone. The Spirit of God is with us. And Spirit of God, I pray you lead, lead each one of us into greater and greater faith so that everything you've done is part of our praise and blessing towards you. God, I know, you know that we struggle. You know that there's warfare. You know, Lord Jesus, there's so much going on. Father, give us the victory in our minds. God, give us the victory together in our hearts and minds with truth. And Lord, our right in heaven is to be overflowing with Christ. And Lord, we don't want anything to rob us from this right. God, I pray, even as just one of the people working here, Lord, let every single person here overflow with Christ. You know, just before the band begins to sing, if you're newer here, if hearing about Jesus, if some of these words is new to you, I just want to invite you. If you're not in a place yet where you know that God is your Father and you have a friend in heaven named Jesus... you can start just by asking God to show you the truth. You can say, God, this all sounds like gobbledygook. If it's true, I want to know. And God will honor that prayer. But if you're hungry at all, or you would like this, there's no perfect way to do this, but what you do is you just say to God, God, I would like to give me and my life to Jesus. Whatever that means. I don't totally understand, By give my life to Jesus. I don't want to be alone in the world anymore. I don't want to be stuck with my failures and my sins. I want to be forgiven. And I want to live with you. And you can pray that prayer anytime and God is there to hear it. Let's worship together.